I've known since 1989, I believe. Uh, Daniel Bernard and I were both in uh, College Station while I was in college there. He was a minister. And uh, Daniel has planted several churches in Nigeria. I don't know how many now. Uh, he went with me. was my best man and uh, decided he wanted to stay in Nigeria and sent me back to his church in the United States and stayed and planted churches. Daniel is with us this morning to share his heart with us. Would you please help me welcome Daniel Bernard. Well, it's, um, it's great being with you. I have a couple... Um, a little, um, actually, testimonial track that I would like to give everybody. This is my son, by the way. I want to make the introductions. This is my son, Luke. And uh, one of the things we're doing is that we're driving from Tampa Bay, Florida, all the way to L.A. And we're dropping him off in L.A. And um, so he believes God's called him to try to impact the entertainment industry over there. He uh, graduated from University of Central Florida in theater and drama. And so he's going to be going in... Uh, Trying is uh, leaving God to open up doors for him in, in, that, in that profession. So, um, And also have my friend, actually, uh, we went together in high school together and over in Clearwater, Florida. And she transplanted over here to Alvin, Texas. This is Barbara Moody's with us today. Barbara, great to have you. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, um, and... Um, Brother Goodluck and I, we go uh, way back. <laughs> so, uh, in, uh, currently right now, since Nigeria, I don't know, many of you, may, some of you may remember or know that I'm also the, uh, for the last 17 years, we've been doing something called Somebody Cares Tampa Bay. And it's a networking of churches and ministries across racial and denominational lines. And so we've been uh, uh, working the churches together, and God's really blessed in an amazing way. Um, you know, we, we work actually in four different counties. Uh, we do a thing coming up this September. You can pray for us. We'll be doing over 400 projects, mobilizing over 6,000 volunteers all in the same day to uh, help refurbish homes and just help those who are elderly, the disabled, and single moms. And with the intention that as we do that, they open up their heart to the gospel. And so... Um, we're doing, doing all those kind of things all across the greater Tampa Bay area, but we're doing it in unity with the churches across racial and denominational lines. So it's, it's really, really exciting. Um, so uh, continue to pray for us as we uh, continue to do that, that ministry. We have uh, currently are going to be launching in, in the early part of next year a missionary sending base. Uh, so we've got other people to start taking on some of the other positions uh, in our organization and we'll be now uh, going to a kind of another phase there, going back to uh, our roots of discipling people and sending them to the nations. So really excited. Um, I'm just going to do a really quick commercial. Uh, I'm an author, uh, and we've had uh, four books. Uh, one's on evangelism called God's Soul Desire, and another is on uh, reaching community. And uh, it involves business people. It talks about 70, 70 ways to effectively minister through your business. It's called The Church at Its Best. And then uh, my wife and I wrote a book on marriage, and which actually has been translated into three other languages and is, uh, doing, has done real well. It's called Me, Tars, and You, Jane. And a uh, great little book full of testimonies and small, short tidbits about uh, 
how to have a good marriage. And, of course, a book uh, kind of on revival praying called Praying Up a Storm. So those are all going to be back there. And uh, there's, a, like I said, there's always a, a, a special here. You can, uh, as we're driving to L.A., you can lighten, lighten my load. There. <laughs> so, um, but I want to have an opportunity to share somewhat of really what's on my heart. Um, and, and, and this is really on my heart from the standpoint of um, where, where I see our country at. And, and what really um, I think is the, I, I think the church is the spiritual gatekeepers for our country is at, especially spiritually and morally. Would you agree with that? And based on what we see happening, we're not doing a very good job. Would you agree with that? <laughs> and, uh, and so today's message is, is part in part of helping us to, as a church, to get back to that place so that we can make a difference in the lives of people, but also uh, see that spiritual uh, slide downward begin to reverse itself and go upward. Amen? Um, and so the, the message is proclaim liberty throughout the land. And I want to let you know that I got saved uh, through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I was an, uh, a young person, uh, I was uh, I was headed down a path. My dad was down had headed down. My dad died at 53 years old, um, alcoholic related. Died from second bypass surgery, but that was alcohol related. And I was on a very fast track to go that same way. I had um, uh, played baseball and was in, uh, but at the same time in, in, in high school and in college, but. I tried to quit drinking. I kept on drinking and, you know, would have areas where, I'd, you know, I'd get up enough will to stop for a little while and go back to it. And um, really wanted to break out of that and uh, began for the first time in life and make the, make this part real just real short. But first time in my life and 22 years, I actually opened up the Bible and began to read it for myself. And from there, it led me to actually go to a, a different church for once, and they were actually preaching this Bible. And I said, wow, that's something. And then I was invited to a James Robinson. You know him by a show that has life today. And he was at that time being toted as the next Billy Graham. And someone invited me to go to that, go to that uh, uh, crusade in the this, in this stadium uh, in Clearwater, Florida. And the Jim Jones Guyana tragedy had just happened. And so he was on that stage, and at that time he was tall, black hair, and he was talking about why would 900 people follow a crazed man like Jim Jones? Why would a woman take a syringe of poison and stick that in her child and hold that child and watch that child writhe in pain and die? And as he, of course, those are very gripping and graphic words, and which got my attention. But then he did one thing: he lifted up this Bible, and he said, "Because." They didn't know this Bible, and they didn't know the God of this Bible. And I said, boy, I don't know that Bible. <laughs> and from the very fruits of my life, I said, I don't know the God of that Bible. <laughs> and so that, that night I went down, 
And I didn't know that I could stop drinking or doing any of those things, but I said, God, if you can just take my life and change it, you can have it for the rest of my life. Because I know I've already tried to change, and I couldn't do it. Amen? And so God just dramatically changed my life. He forgave me my sins and uh, gave me the power to begin to live for Him. Obviously, it wasn't perfect from then on, but a dramatic change had taken place. Um, I'd stopped drinking immediately. And uh, driving down the road with my brother, and I was listening to him talk, and every other word was a cuss word. And I said, I know I'm saved now. Because I talked just like you one week ago. Just like you, I talked. I said, God did something in my life. Amen? But it's through the preaching of the word. Someone was preaching the word, and I want to let you know that I believe that that is the key to this nation where the church of Jesus Christ would get back to proclaiming the Word of God. Amen? Look what the Bible says. It tells us to proclaim liberty throughout the land. And that's what we're called to do. And I believe because we've been so reticent that we have, we have uh, you know, just so got, uh, so talked into through the political correctness, that where we're, we're, we've been in, inhibited to actually stand up and share our faith, that it's because of that, because of our silence, I believe the country is spiraling downward. Because that preaching of the gospel knows what it made our country great. You can think about all the great preachers, Billy Sunday and every, you know, that, that made our country great. And what are we called to proclaim? It says in Psalms 96 2, salvation day after day. We're to proclaim the, the decree of the Lord. We're to proclaim among the nations His righteousness, the works of God, the power of God, the mighty acts, His love in the morning. His name is to be exalted. Proclaim His glory. And then we find that it was Jesus Himself. He said that He was called to proclaim freedom to the captives and the good news to the poor. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of vengeance of our God. Notice he had a balanced message, didn't he? <laughs> the favor of the Lord, but he also preached the vengeance of our God. Amen? See, so Jesus himself was a proclaimer. In the Old Testament, it tells us proclaim. And we move all the way in now from Jesus, who tells his disciples that, that we are to preach the good news to all creation in Mark sixteen fifteen, And then we find in Matthew 10... So we have the Old Testament tells us to proclaim. Jesus himself says, I'm a proclaimer. And then Jesus tells his disciples to be proclaimers. And we want you to notice in Matthew 10, the, the preparation that it goes through. I'm not going to read all the verses, but this is a chapter in which, you know, Jesus is sending out the 12 uh, disciples. OK, and uh, in that he says, he tells them. Uh, he, in verse 5 in Matthew 10, first of all, I just want to note it. He, he, he told them where to preach. He told them to go to, to the lost sheep of Israel. Uh, you know, he, he, and, and, and to whom to preach. He told them to pre- he told them what to preach. He told them to preach the kingdom of God is, at, is near. He, he told them how to preach. He equipped them with what is necessary to preach. He told them who to preach to. To leave the unreceptive and go ahead and, and, you know, and minister to the, those who are receptive and how to find those who are receptive. And then he talked about, he warned them of hardships in verses 16 through 23. He told them about persecution. He told them to be mentally tough. He, and yet in the, in the midst of persecution, he said, be confident because the Holy Spirit is going to give, put the words in your mouth. Amen. And then in verse 27, he says, then go ahead and shout it from the rooftops. 
So he's encouraging them to be very bold, isn't he? And then Jesus told them their value. He told them their value and encouraged them to be fearless. He told them how precious they were in his sight and that how great a reward that they were going to get. Amen? And we find in Acts 5.42, that's exactly what they did. <laughs> they had gone out, they, they, had, they went there, of course, they prepared the way for King Jesus. And if, think about the preparation that Jesus did. That was a lot of preparation. Do you think proclaiming was important to Jesus? He tells them, gives them all these instructions and how and where and what and so forth to proclaim in order to prepare for his coming before he goes to the cross. Now, our Lord is coming a second time. Do you think there should be any less preparation now that we have nearly 7 billion people on the face of the earth? Do you think we should have any less preparation or as just as much or even more? Amen? Just as much or more, obviously. And we find in the book of Acts, in Acts 5, 42, I want you to read this. Listen to what it says. It says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, I love this, they never stopped. Say that with me. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming that, that Jesus is the Christ. Wow. Every day, from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ. Wow. What would happen today if that were to take place? There is a professor at Dallas, theological, named Albert Muller, and he said, Hell will be filled with people who have positive thoughts about Jesus. Think about that. Hell will be filled with positive thoughts of the people who have positive thoughts about Jesus. That's really nothing new, is it? Remember what Jesus, when he asked the disciples that? He said, who do they say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're a prophet. Some say that you're, you're Elijah back from the grave. But then Jesus pointed to them and said, but who do you say that I am? And of course, we remember the famous... Response by Peter, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yes, that's right. Christ isn't Jesus' last name. Christ is his title. It's his position. It's who he is. He is the anointed one. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. Amen. He's the crucified King. Hallelujah. How many today would we ask, who do you say Jesus is? Aren't people out there in our politically correct world, aren't they going to say a lot of nice things about Jesus? So (laughs) people are going to say a lot of positive things about Jesus, but they're all wrong because they missed the main thing. They're going to say he was a wonderful teacher. What a moral guider, you know, and, and, you know, you know, his spirit is, you know, they're going to say all kinds of new agey, you know, warm, fuzzy, feely, good stuff. And it's all going to be wrong. And according to the Word of God, it's all going to put them in H-E double toothpicks. Hell. Amen? But the key is not really what, who they think Jesus is. The real key is, who do you say Jesus is? And are you 
like in the Old Testament, like Jesus, and like the disciples, who every day, house to house, went preaching that Jesus is the Christ. Do you proclaim that Jesus is the Christ? Amen? You know what I'm seeing here? It was on their to-do list every day. It was on the to-do list of the disciples of Jesus Christ. It was on the to-do list of the New Testament church every day. I would be shocked in majority of churches throughout America if we find that that would ever get on a to-do list in most members of today's church. Yet it was at the very top. It was a priority that they had to tell people about Jesus. And that's where we were a hundred years ago, 75 years ago, even 50 years ago. We were people who told, were proclaimers. Paul said himself, he said, pray that I may be strengthened, that I might declare it, that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. That's what we're called to do. We're called to declare this fearlessly as we should. Amen? You know, with this kind of commitment, though, I think we all understand. I think we've all come to a place, we all understand what's going to take place. What happened when they began to proclaim it fearlessly? You know what happened in Acts chapter 8, verse 3. It talks about that the church began to be persecuted. Right? And the church, in Acts 8, 3... The church was scattered out of the persecution that took place. And as the, as the church was scattered, it said everybody but the apostles went about preaching the word. Praise the Lord. And then you'll find later on that those who had been preaching the word, you think, well, how good could they do? I mean, how effective could they be? But quite frankly, we find later on in Acts 11 that the, the church of Antioch, those who went about preaching the word, they actually established a church at Antioch. The greatest missionary sending base of its known day. Because a bunch of just nobody believers decided to go about preaching the word. What happened when persecution took place? It brought about more preaching. It brought about a greater commitment. It brought about a greater fire. And of course, those are the type of things that we're seeing. The largest Christian church in the, in the world today is where? It's in China. And many of them are having church underground in houses. Who are, I've met pastors from China who've been persecuted for being faithful to the gospel message. Paul said, be fearless. Pray that I'll be fearless as I should be in preaching the gospel. We're no longer fearless. We're fearful. We're fearful. What will happen to me? Oh, in Canada, they'll put you in jail for saying homosexuality is a sin. And that's coming here to the United States. Oh, we better hurry up and get legislation because then, well, then what? Well, no, no, we're going to keep proclaiming that it's a sin. You know, not that we think, you know, not that I think that homosexuality is a greater sin than any other sin, but sin is sin. Amen. What they're asking you to do is stop proclaiming. And that just can't happen. 
Remember that was that fear that, that in, in, in 1 Samuel 17, there was, a, there was a giant named Goliath, and he was taunting and taunting and taunting the people of Israel, and they, in their fear they became paralyzed. For 40 days they were paralyzed, did nothing. But then, this little shepherd boy, he said, you know, I've killed the lion and the bear. <laughs> I can take a care of this Philistine. But I love what he did. You know, he just, he went out there and he, and, he, and, he, and he addressed and he spoke. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the, of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. And he said, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds. I'm going to cut off your head. He didn't say, oh, well, if it's God's will, I'll be victorious. No, he said, no. He said, this is what's going to happen. This is what, you know what I mean? There was a boldness. There was a fearlessness there. And because he spoke it out, God met him at that place. Amen. And I believe that's what God will do with each and every one of us. We say, you know what? I'm not going to beat up people. I'm not asking you to go around and beat up people with the gospel and that sort of thing. But I'm asking you, say, you know what? As we're praying every day, as we're putting in our, our to-do list, that we're saying, God, give me an opportunity. Bring me a divine appointment that I can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God says he's going to meet you there. Amen? God says, she said it today, you open your mouth and he will fill it. We're not talking about food. We're talking about the words of life. Amen? That he'll fill your mouth with the words of life so you can be an imparter of God's life into the life of others. That's what the church in America is lacking today. You know, I, I, quite frankly, if we were doing that, we wouldn't have to worry about any election. It wouldn't matter. Because we're on a total different economy and everything. We're called, it's called the kingdom of God. We're under a total different government and the whole deal. Amen? You understand that? The problem is this. Is that our nation is in the state that we are in is because we have failed to be proclaimers. We are gripped with fear if we preach rather than being fearless to preach. We basically have become a people who go to church rather than being a people, well, rather than being the church on the go. We are inviters and marketers and no longer ambassadors of the gospel. I was on a TV show just recently, and uh, our ministry was being, you know, uh, acknowledged and so forth. Um, throughout the state of Florida on this TV show. And uh, they're also interviewing um, a pastor from a, uh, a denomination you'd be familiar with. And he was talking about, you know, their church planting, and uh, they're about to launch a church. And, in, and about, as they're about to launch this church, they were getting all their, they were getting their staff together. <clears throat> Once they got their staff together, then they're about to ready they mentioned that they're going to be launching in about a couple of weeks because they, they had the pastor and the youth pastor. They had the tech person, and now they were work, waiting for the marketing person. I said, wow. They're not waiting for the intercessor or the evangelist or the teacher 
or the apostle. No, they're waiting for the marketing person to come on board. Marketing? That's what we've done. We've become an enterprise. You know, we've become so politically correct, we are in danger of becoming kingdom rejects. We have become so politically correct, we are in danger of becoming kingdom rejects. That's not me. That's Jesus. Listen to what he said in Mark eight thirty eight. He said, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Are you hearing that? Jesus said, if you're afraid to speak up for me in this sinful and adulterous generation, guess what? When I come back in my glory, I'm going to be ashamed of you. I'll have nothing to do with you. Wow. You know why we don't proclaim? Because we know it really means the cross. It really means dying to self. That's why Jesus, right prior to saying that very thing, he said, whoever would try to save his life will lose it, but whoever will seek to lose his life for my sake, he will save it. And then he says, if you are ashamed of me in this sinful and adulterous generation. See, he understood. He understood that really to get to a point where you're really going to be a proclaimer of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have to say, yes, I am willing to die to self. I am willing to lose my life for the sake of Christ. And that is the that is the core issue, and that is the real deal of where we're at spiritually as a church in America. We are no longer people who die daily. We are no longer people who take up our cross and follow Him. Because if we were, we would be proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ. Amen? Jesus said, he said, don't think that I have come to bring peace, but a sword. What he's trying to say is simply this. He said, get it into your heads. (laughs) He said, I I, I did not come (laughs) so that you could have a Disneyland. He said, listen, you're going to be hated. You're going to be persecuted. Anyone who wants to live godly shall be persecuted, says the word. Amen. It's going to happen when you open up your mouth and begin to proclaim Jesus. And so that's what that's, we find out what's really going to take place. What's going to happen is that when you begin to go as a church in Houston, if we begin to go and proclaim Jesus every day, house to house, what's going to happen is this, is that there's persecution that's going to come. Then God's going to strengthen us, amen? And this, that his, we're going to sense His presence and His power in our city. That's what's going to happen. And yet, and more persecution is going to come. I mean, it comes to a place, you know, where, where really, if you really understand what you have in God, if, you re- if, if heaven is really secure for you because you really believe and understand what Jesus has done for you on the cross, then you can be, you know, uh, that dirty Harry. You know, dirty Harry said that guy was going to shoot him in the head, and he said, go ahead and make my day. Right? And the guy's going to shoot him, and he said, go ahead and make my day. And the guy was trying to shoot. If you, some, some of you are too young to know that. But anyway... Go ahead and make my day. I say, you know, so, you know, if something were to happen and, and, and out of the out of out of the results of going out and preaching and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, I were to die. You know what? That they just made not my day. They just made my eternity. Amen. 
They just made my forever. For me to live in Christ and to die is gain. That's the gospel. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing that Jesus is the Christ. So let me share with you some things right, right now. If you're going to be a proclaimer, you need to be prepared. I've given every one of you, uh, or you should have that, my little uh, testimonial. That's something that every one of you guys can do. You guys, listen, if Jesus died so that you could have a story, so that you could have a testimony, don't you think you should take the time to ride out and share your testimony? Isn't that what the Bible says? That's one of the ways you overcome? Right? But the word of your testimony, do you know that Jesus, I mean, the word of God in Revelations put your testimony on the level of the blood of the Lamb? Gosh. And you don't share your testimony? Wow. No wonder you're not overcoming in this life. Amen? You need to have your testimony. And, you know, you can just go to the, you can be sharing that every day. I got all kinds of statistics where churches, if they did, if you want to do marketing, you know what the greatest marketing tool is? A changed life. A changed life is the best marketing a church could ever have. Amen? So go out and share about how God changed your life. And people will be open. That's my story. That's my story and how God changed my life. Would you like to read it? And someone might go back in the comfort of their home and, you know, and and sit down when they have time. They'll turn off the tube and, and read the thing. And God might move and touch them. They might call you. They can go where you can't go. There's so many good things about that testimony. Amen. But it's really it's it should be the mini step. You know, if, if I was a pastor of a church, if you couldn't write out and share your testimony, you couldn't be a member. You wouldn't be a member of my church. Huh. So that's why you're not a pastor. <laughs> but think about it. Then learn at least one method of sharing the gospel. Learn at least there's so many methods of the Roman road and all these things. Have, are you prepared to be a proclaimer? Do you know at least one way? Then, then you know what? Then go out with somebody and do it. Go out with somebody who's done it before and do it. And then with the understanding that you're going to then take somebody under your wing and you're going to go out and do it. Amen? And when I say go out, it might be going out to Starbucks. And, you know, it might be just having them hang out with you looking for an opportunity that there's going to be a time you're going to share. Or maybe you got an appointment with somebody. You know, I, I just got involved with a business, and in this business, you know what they tell me in the business? They said that I need to make 15 presentations a month if I'm going to be successful in the business. And I thought, my goodness, 15 presentations a month. What if we as a church said, listen, if you're, really, if you're serious about being a successful Christian, you need to share the gospel 15 times in a month. We're doing it for something like money. Why not for Jesus? Amen. Well, so get with somebody and, and then and then listen, compassion in and of itself and being compassionate in and of itself is not sharing the gospel, but do compassion with purpose. Amen. Do compassion with purpose. Let me just, uh, you know, share with you my wife. I just some of you may have heard this story, but uh, she was uh, 
when we had just came back not too long ago in Niger, from Nigeria, we uh, bought our house in Clearwater, Florida. And of course, my kids—they were used to used to open wide open spaces and so forth. And they're up in a tree climbing in the only tree we had in our front yard and making a bunch of noise. And the neighbors from across the street came out, and began to yell at my kids that they were making too much noise. So I heard the ruckus and I went outside and I said, "Hey, hey, hey! Wait a minute, man! You know, don't, just calm down a little bit. What's what's going on here?" Well, your kids are making so much noise. And I said, that's fine. Just come and tell me and I'll deal with my kids if they're too loud. That's fine. You know, so but but don't try to don't you yell at my kid. You come and let me know and I'll take care of them. But we were here before you ever came and we're going to be here before you leave. And that was my first encounter with this homosexual couple across the street. You know, it wasn't a good one. So, but we continue to minister to them and to reach out, try to be kind to them. My wife especially, though. And, and over a period of time, the one partner got very sick, terminally sick. And uh, God spoke to her, told her, go bring her some Chinese, bring her some Chinese food. So she brings some Chinese food over to him. And um, uh, as she knocks in the door, voice from within says, who is it? Well, it's Kathy and get out of here. We don't want any. Well, I'm just trying to get out of here. So she's dejectedly walking back across the street. The garage door opens and the guy says, I'm sorry, we were so rude. But you know that he's really ill and we're under a lot of stress. And, you know, well, she said, I just wanted to bring you some food. It's Chinese food. And he says, oh, Chinese is his favorite. Well, the guy dies. And the first place that the, you know, healthy partner, you know, went was to our front door for prayer. About nine months pass, and my wife again says, you know what, I think it's time now for me to actually go over there and share the gospel. She does so, not knowing that another, another couple of weeks, the father of that uh, man who had died, who just lives a couple blocks away, who this guy was very close to, was going was gonna to pass away as well. And so he passes away, and this time he comes to our door and says, today I'm ready for Jesus. Amen. So compassion is good because that's what Jesus would do. Amen. But it's compassion with a purpose so that we can take care of their eternal needs, their forever needs. Amen. That they would be introduced to Jesus Christ as Lord. Remember, the, the, the because just, you know, we're not the United Way. Remember, it was, the, it was the, the guy who came to Jesus and he said in Luke 9, verse 60, they came to him and said, you know, he said, uh, Jesus, I want to follow you. And, you know, and, and, he, and he said, but let me first bury my father. And Jesus said something like really callous. Sounds like, oh, that can't be Jesus. He said, let the dead bury the dead. He said, but you go and invite people to church. No, he didn't say that, did he? He said, but you go and you proclaim the kingdom of God. Not invite somebody to church, but you go and you proclaim the kingdom of God. The church is the means to, you know, just a means for the kingdom. Amen. But see, the thing with Jesus saying, he says, let the let what let what dead people can do. Let them do it. Those who are spiritually dead, they can take care of those things. But you do something that they can't do. You do something that the spiritually dead can't do. You go and you proclaim the kingdom of God. Amen. And, and what I mean by that is this, is that, you know, there is nobody else. Because what real evangelism is, is actually, as, you, as we sing so much about it today, is about letting people know about the Father. 
And so that was so unique. And that's what just unnerved people about Jesus and the religious people in his day. Because Jesus, in the Old Testament you don't see it, but Jesus is always talking about God being his father. Right? I only do what my father says. You know, it's all, and they're going like, who, who is this guy telling us that God is his father? Right? Well, see, you know, Jesus was just telling about his daddy, and that's what our job is. We're, we're out there just proclaiming, telling him how good God is. That our God is a good God. Amen? He's a great God. He's a mighty God. And that's our God because there's only, only his children, only God's children can tell about the Father. No, just like, you know, and, and you know, you don't have to have a degree to do that. If you want to know about my, if I, if you ask me about my wife, I'm not going to say, well, wait a second, let me Google her and let me check it. No, I'm not going to, I don't have to do a Google search. I can tell you right now everything about my wife. Amen. I know her intimately so I can share. And so the same thing with you, because you are the children of the father, then you can feel the heartbeat of the father. And the heartbeat of the father is that would you tell people about my son? And only you. His children can do that. No one else. Nobody else on the planet can do that. There is no plan B. It's plan A, and you're it. Amen? And that's plan A for our country. Let me share with you. I get so grateful. Um, For you guys, uh, excuse me, just kind of supporting my daughter, my daughter Bethany. She's doing something called the World Race. She was here about a year ago, not, not quite a year ago, but she's doing 11 months in 11 countries. And God's teaching her a lot. But this is one of the blogs she wrote. <clears throat> she's 21, or 22, I guess now. She goes, I came to Christ at nine years old with childlike faith. I grew up and went to Christian high school and graduated from Christian college. All these years I remained a Christian. But one thing I lacked, <clears throat> and that was the core of the gospel. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. He said, preach the word and be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. He said, this is the thing that I didn't do. The Timothy says, do the work of an evangelist. She says, but you know what? I wasn't replicating myself and making disciples, let alone sharing the gospel. He said, I claim to believe that Jesus is... <clears throat> Is the one true God, yet I never, I never proclaim it. I, I claim to have the key to freedom and eternal life, yet I let the world be condemned to hell. Um, I claim to have a heart after God's heart, yet hardly. Yet hardly take the time to, to feel his heart for the lost. She said, in the world race, I've been pushed and stretched to share the gospel, and it's been the most rewarding thing to ever happen to me. Every time I share, I think to myself, this is what it means to be a Christian.
This is what it means. To live for God. Isaiah 62, 5 says, you, call, you who call on the Lord, that means you and I, give yourself no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem. That means the church. It makes her a praise on the earth. Amen. We've had enough rest. I think we've been too comfortable. I think God wants us to be proclaimers. Will you bow with me? Spirit of God, we just ask you to come. Lord, I know you've got people here. Lord, I know that their desire is, Lord, that to be that proclaimer that you, that you want us all to be. God, forgive us for our misplaced priorities. Forgive us for, Lord, just our lack of love for you and for your things, Lord God. Spirit of God, I ask that you would just transform us now. God, I ask that you would give us full of your joy. Because you promised, God, that we would, be, we would go out with joy and be led forth by peace. Lord, I pray, God, you would use this group of believers right now. Lord, to be a leavening effect. Lord, of the church in Houston. And the church in Houston would have a leavening effect on the church in America, God. That you would begin even with this church, Lord. As, Lord, I remember that Good Luck and I going out and when we, we'd go out to the streets in Bryan, Texas and play the guitar and sing and preach the gospel. But God, in many forms that you called us to be all proclaimers. I remember, God, as we went down to the river in Nigeria, Lord, we didn't wait for a crusade. We went down there and two men gave their life to Christ who are now preaching the gospel. Father God, we know that you've got people waiting out there just like those two men. God, we ask God you'd help us. We ask that you would help us to have a heart after you and that God, our heart would break over what breaks your heart, God. And Lord, those who are lost and, and don't know you, Lord God, they don't know the forgiveness of sin. They, Lord, they're continuing on with the load of guilt and shame. And yet, God, you died so that they would be free, that they would have an abundant life. Lord, we ask for your spirit and your grace that we might crucify ourselves, our desires and that are wrong, God. So that, God, your life might come forth in us in a powerful way. That we might spring forth even out of this building, God. Lord, with the intention to be prepared to go and share the gospel. So, Father, we ask you right now, Lord, to move on our hearts. Right now, I just ask you to, to make a commitment to the Lord. To put proclaiming the gospel on your to-do list. Would you do that? Say, I'm going to write my testimony. I'm going to share my testimony. That's, 
All you got to do is just share how the Father's been good to you. We make a commitment to saying, you know what, God? Put somebody in my path that I can be kind to. Somebody I can pray for. With the hopes that I'm going to be ready to share the gospel. God, use me. Use me, God. My community needs the gospel. My nation needs the gospel. God, you have no plan B. I'm your plan A. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your grace. To go and proclaim this gospel. Would you do that this morning? Spirit of living God. Move on your people. Fill them to overflowing right now in Jesus' name. God, let the love of God cast out every fear. Every fear of man. Let your love, God, bring them to a place of fearlessness, of mobility, to be a going church for a coming Savior. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.